2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. The same verse in another translation says, we have the same kind of faith. So we have been on a series. This is our fourth installment. If you have not heard some of the previous messages from uh, this month or this, the, the last few weeks, I would encourage you to go online and, and check that out. You can go to our website, sophie.church, and get a hold of that, and I think that will help you. There are different kinds of faith, and you need to be certain that the kind you have is the kind God wants. The faith that pleases the Lord comes by hearing the word and is released by doing the word. So we could say, and I want you to be, I want to be careful how I say this, and I don't want you to misunderstand me, but we could say faith is the currency of God's kingdom. It is the coin of the realm. Because virtually, virtually means almost everyone, virtually every transaction with heaven involves faith. I said virtually every transaction, every exchange between you and God, faith is involved. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, you see. Now, I do not mean to suggest that we purchase God's blessings. I don't mean that, okay? We don't. I don't mean to say that we uh, uh, pay for his favor because that's not true at all. What I mean to say is in the scriptures, we see an unmistakable pattern that God responds to faith. He requires faith from us. Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed through the crowd to touch him for healing. Jesus said to her in Mark chapter 5 verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. She touched him with a confident expectation. She didn't just touch him. She touched him in faith, and the power of Christ, the healing power of God, flowed into her. And it's interesting, Jesus, speaking of power, Jesus said, Jesus could have said, daughter, my power has made you well. It did, didn't it? But he didn't say that because it's, it was her faith that activated his anointing. And that's true today as well. It was her faith that activated his anointing because a lot of people touched Jesus that day and she was the only one that was healed. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. Then again, he said, he said your faith has made you well. Then again, Jesus touched two blind men and said to them in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, be it done to you. 
And the words according to indicate that their healing, they wanted to see, their healing was contingent on their believing. There was a condition that the measure of their faith determined the measure of God's ability working in their life. So if you want to make room for God to move in a greater way, stretch your faith. See, some Christians, they might say, well, I wish the Lord would touch me this morning. But even if he does, I'm sure he will, but even if he does, why would he say something different to you than what he said to these two men? He touched them, and he didn't say, that's it. He touched them and said, according to your faith, it will be done for you. And the same is true for you. Amen? Faith, as I said, is the currency of heaven. It is the medium of exchange. Once again, I'm not suggesting that we buy things from God. But there's a transaction. You know, I pray, I'm going to receive. What's missing? Faith. I need healing. God has the power. What's missing? Faith. See? I need wisdom. What's holding it up? God requires faith. You see? It's the medium of exchange. And so continuing with that, with that thought, having money alone does not directly change your life unless you in some way use that money. Right? You could keep it in little boxes in your bedroom. That doesn't, that's not going to put food on your kitchen table. That's not going to pay the rent. That, 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 that money has to be utilized. It has to, the cash has to be put in circulation. You have to you know, spend it, uh, give it, invest it, save it. You have to do something with it. So it is with faith. Listen to me. I am convinced that many Christians, especially folks who are here, have enough faith to get their breakthrough. That's not the problem. The problem is they're not releasing their faith. They're not utilizing their faith. They're not doing anything with their faith. They're so busy holding on to it, but you've got to let it go. You've got to act on what you believe. In Acts chapter 14, Paul preached the gospel in the city of Lystra. And there was a man there who was unable to walk since birth. And this man was listening. That's very interesting. His miracle began with listening. What about your miracle? He was listening to what Paul preached. And verse 9 says that Paul looked at the man and perceived or discerned that he had faith to be healed. Who had faith to be healed? Paul? No, Paul didn't need healing. It was the crippled man. As he was preaching, he looked, so he looked at the people he was preaching to. You feel like, why does he look at me? Well, Paul looked at the people he was preaching to. He discerned, he perceived that this man had faith to be healed. See? So that means this man did not merely wish to be healed. He did not simply desire to be healed. 
but I really, really, really want it. But that's not enough. God does not respond to desire alone. God is not moved by need alone. If God was moved by need, there would be no needs in this world. The greatest need any man could have is to be born again, but sinners are not saved simply because they're lost. God requires something. He requires faith. This man had a confident assurance, an expectation that he would be healed. In fact, one step further, he knew it's mine. It's mine. Now, by the way, think about this. I don't want to get off my topic, but it says Paul preached the gospel. Evidently, the gospel that Paul preached gave people faith to be healed. So he must not have been preaching what some people preach. If Paul was preaching, the day of miracles is over. God doesn't do that these days. He heals some people, but some people he doesn't heal. No one would have faith to be healed by listening to that. This man must have heard from Paul, healing is our inheritance. Jesus not only bore our sin, but he carried away our diseases. Hallelujah. He is our healer. Healing belongs to us through the blood. He must have heard something like that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where did this man receive faith? To be healed of a lifelong disease. I mean, you know, if you've been sick for a, a few days, that's a drag. If you've been sick for a month, that's, that's really bad. What if you've been, been dehabilitated or suffering with an infirmity your whole life since you were born? I mean, most people just like don't even, don't even think about recovering at that point. Where did he get faith to be healed of such a condition from hearing the word? From hearing the word. Hmm. This world and the God of this world, the small letter G, meaning the devil, this world downplays the importance of preaching. They sneer at it. They ridicule it. People say, oh, come on, I don't want to hear a sermon right now. See, they're, they're, they're making light of it. Oh, There's sort of a, a waste of time. You know, they, they think that Actually, see, they're not here right now. They're at home sleeping or watching television or whatever they're doing. And they think you're foolish. They think you're foolish. Oh, you mean you got up and you got you know, dressed and you went all the way there and listened to this guy talk for like 45 minutes? You know, they think you're foolish. No, actually, they're foolish. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In fact, that, that's Romans 10, 17 that I quoted. That verse could be translated, faith comes by preaching and preaching by the word of Christ. Woo. So in this service, at this moment, we are offering you something that's more valuable than gold. We see somebody with a lot of money, and we can't help but envy them in the natural. Oh, man, I wish I had that kind of money. Why? Well, he can buy so many things. He can do so many things. But the man who has faith is the richest man in town because faith in God can do the impossible. Money has its advantages. It also has its limits. When you're sick with cancer, all the money in the world cannot help you. Hallelujah. If your marriage is broken, you don't just need more money. Well, some might say yes, but you know, there's more to a happy marriage than just money. It's got to be the power and the favor of God, and that's released when we believe. 
I'm giving you something more valuable than gold. If we were literally giving people one kg of gold this morning, man, they'd be lined up all the way down to the police point. What does that mean? They don't see the value of faith. Even people who have been Christians their whole lifetime. Now, let me give you a different example. Some of the, uh, maybe some of the older folks or, or whatever may not relate to this or catch this, but maybe some other younger folks will, I don't know. In the last 20 years, we have seen the rise of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Does anybody? I see a few of you do. Well, Bitcoin, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an investor. I'm not, I'm not advocating anything. I'm just giving an example, okay? <laughs> when I get a new friend request online and the person sells you know, Bitcoin, I, I, okay, I know what he wants. Bitcoin is a digital currency. It doesn't exist anywhere except on the Internet. So you don't, nobody in the world has a few Bitcoins in their pocket. Or they don't even have Bitcoins like, you know, in the bank. It only exists online. And bear with me, hold, hold tight. Bitcoins are created by using sophisticated computers, not just your personal laptop. Sophisticated computers that solve complex math problems. That's, that's how that works. And so with these very expensive machines, which consume tremendous amounts of electricity, in other words, the amount of electricity that's needed to create a Bitcoin would be more than the, all the electricity in Nagaland, which, by the way, is not much anyways. <laughs> so with expensive machinery, it would take... It could take as much as 30 days, operating round the clock, 24-7, as much as 30 days to make one Bitcoin. They call it mining. To make one Bitcoin could take huge supercomputers 30 days, running nonstop. One, one Bitcoin. But the thing is, one Bitcoin is worth right now $16,700 or more than 13 lakhs. And actually, the price has plummeted. A year ago, one Bitcoin was worth $65,000. And I don't, we don't even know how many rupees that is because no one's ever seen that many rupees. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here's what I'm saying. That's how they mine Bitcoin. That's how they make Bitcoin. As you are sitting here hearing the truth of God, your spirit is mining heaven's cryptocurrency. See, faith is not a physical, tangible item. It only exists in the realm of the spirit. But just a little bit of faith, it's like one Bitcoin, it can do a lot of things. Just a little bit of faith can do a lot of things in your life. Hallelujah. So, if you were wise... You would attend church every week. And I'm not asking anything from anybody, but I'm just telling you, 
I'm making you rich. I'm making you rich. But most people aren't smart enough to know it. I'm giving you heaven's Bitcoin. I notice people, you know, as they, as they continue in church and they have the right attitude and they guard their heart and they're open and they listen and they endeavor to, to learn and, they, and they're not just spectators, but they're participants. I see their life. You can just watch the trajectory. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't just like instantly, boom, suddenly, you know, but I see them on the upward incline. Their life gets better. Everything about their life gets better. They're blessed. Their marriage gets improved. Their family, children do better. Their finances do better. Their business does better. Their life is better. And I see people who suddenly take things for granted and kind of take it as more like Sunday morning recreation or they go to church out of a sense of duty and then they kind of, kind of fade away and they're on the decline. I mean, it, it, you, can just, you can just mark the date when they stopped coming to church. It kind of came once a month or something. And then you could just say, look, I would say six months, they'll say, I have a terrible disease. It, it's so predictable. I mean, we, we sometimes, you want to cry about it, but you, it's so predictable. Because when you stop hearing, faith stops coming. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it's spiritually speaking, you're poor now. Spiritually speaking, you couldn't buy a stick of chewing gum. You can have all kinds of dreams. Oh, I'm going to have a business. I'm going to have a school. I'm going to have a hospital. I'm going to, I'm going to start this. I'm going to do that. But you couldn't, spiritually speaking, and I'm using the metaphor, afford even to buy one secondhand chapel. So you better start mining the Bitcoin. Hallelujah. So Paul perceived that this man had faith to be healed. But... Like, stop the story. Hit the pause button. At that precise moment, the man was still sick. He perceived, he looked, he discerned, he could recognize. This man has faith to be healed, but he's still sick. He's sitting there on the floor, on the ground, unable to walk. No change in his condition. You can have faith and still be defeated. You can have all the faith in the world and remain poor, remain sick, remain frustrated. It's not enough to have faith. You must release it. So that's why Paul said in Acts 14, verse 10, he said to the man, stand upright on your feet. And the man sprang up and began walking. He knew that faith that is not used is useless faith. What I'm going to say is, again, most of you, many of you, I'll say many of you, you have the faith. You actually have it. Your problem is you're not using it. Notice our text says, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, I believed, so I spoke. Faith demands expression. Faith is like love. It thrives on expression. How many of you men are married? It's not an altar call. I'm just asking a question. How many of you men are married? You don't know? What? Come on. <laughs> How often does your wife say, do you love me? How many of you men would say, I told you the day we got married, I love you? Man, you're going to sleep on the sofa tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> 
love thrives. I'm going to hear about this tonight also. I can tell by that look. Love thrives on expression. Women want to hear it. Say it. Just, just say it. Say what? Say it. You know. Well, faith is like that. It, it, it flourishes with expression. I believed, so I spoke. And by the way, if you're not speaking, now we know why. I'm talking about faith now. I've changed. I'm back on faith. What are you, you still, you're talking about love. I'm on faith right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fear paralyzes people. I don't mean literally. I mean it, emotionally, spiritually, it paralyzes people. They won't even, fear can have such a large place in your life, you won't even leave your house. There's a lion in the streets. You won't even go out of your bed. You won't even get out of bed. You pull the blanket over your head. Uh, no, I'm afraid to leave my bed. And people die in bed every day, by the way. But, you know, anyways. <laughs> Faith motivates you. Faith compels you to press through the crowd and touch Jesus. Faith will cause you to climb on the roof and bust a hole in, this, in the ceiling and, and, and be lowered before Jesus. Faith will motivate you to overcome obstacles. Faith will give you a determination in your heart. I'm not going to quit. I'm not giving up. Hallelujah. There's a drive. People who have faith have a drive in them. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So let me uh, give you another verse now. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Romans 3, 27 says this. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. So that means we don't have anything to boast about. Not in ourselves. It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. That's very interesting. In this verse, the Apostle Paul calls faith a law. That's, a, that's an important thing to know. Faith is a law. Now, it's interesting that in both the Greek language, because the New Testament was written in Greek, both in the Greek language and in English, the word law has two meanings. First, it means a moral code, something that one is obligated to do, a standard you are required to live by, like the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. That's, that's one definition of the word law. That's what he means when he says a law of works. That's what he's talking about. But there's another definition of the word law. It means a principle. Something that you observe that is constantly, constantly at work in nature, like the law of physics. Faith operates like the laws of science, like the laws of nature. But faith is a spiritual law. Are you listening to me? Faith operates, functions in the supernatural realm the same way the laws of science work in the natural realm. And the thing about laws 
these, these, these constant principles that God created, even in the natural, like, like uh, thermodynamics and motion, things like that. Laws are universal. They apply to everyone. No one is accepted. Gravity does not care about your ethnicity. Gravity is not interested in your nationality or your gender or, or, or your, you know, economic status in society. You know, it's not like, you know, that, that if, that if uh, you, know, uh, you know, poor people jump off the roof of the church, you know, they fall to the ground, but rich people fly. It isn't like that. Gravity doesn't care who you are. Are you listening to me? Amen. Likewise, faith doesn't care who you are. Faith doesn't care what village you came from. Faith doesn't care whether you're the firstborn or you're number 72. Faith doesn't care, you know, whether you're real tall and handsome like me or short and ugly like, well, he's not here right now. And faith doesn't care. Faith doesn't care whether your daddy was, 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 was uh, you know, Diamond Jim Brady or whether he was a hobo. Faith doesn't care. Faith will work for anybody. Woo! So that means this is not an American gospel. That's a lie. This is God's gospel, and it works for everybody. And I can stand here to testify, and if I had time, I would, that we know people whose, whose lives were messed up, really struggling, and through the word of God and faith in the word, their life began to change, and they've never been to America. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But by the same token, by the same token, unbelief will work against anybody. See, you, can, you could have grown up in church. Oh, I was born in church. My daddy was a pastor. Ah, I, 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 I'm part of the church culture. I, you know, I, I'm a pillar in this church. Yeah, but when you start stepping away from faith, Things stop, things stop working in your life as they should. Both faith and unbelief don't care how long you've been here. <laughs> Are you listening to me? So that's why, you know, you don't want to kind of rest on your laurels. Uh, you don't want to kind of just sort of coast along and start sliding into unbelief and start thinking, well, God, you have to heal me. I'm the most faithful member in this church. God's not going to heal you because you're the most faithful member in this church. He's going to heal you because he's faithful and you believe in his faithfulness. That's why he's going to heal you. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. Gravity never takes a vacation. Now, you all remember this Monday is gravity-free day. So if you don't want to float out into space, hold on to something. No, no, no. Gravity is always working 24-7, round the clock. Gravity doesn't work only on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. The rest of the week, you know, your belongings are floating in the air down the street. No, no, it's always working. Faith is not just something you use in a church service. Faith is not something that's just a part of your tradition or a ritual. Faith is something to live by. Can I get a better amen than that? Amen. Hallelujah. You're improving. Glory to God. Faith is a principle. It's a fundamental truth. It's a rule that governs God's kingdom. So if you're going to live by faith, 
You're going to have to be a person who lives by principles and not feelings. I said, if you're going to live by faith, if you're going to operate in the kind of faith that God demands, faith is a principle. So you're going to have to live by principles, not feelings. Faith is not a feeling. Many Christians confuse the feelings that may arise because of your faith with faith itself. Faith may produce feelings, but feelings never produce faith. Let me say that again. Faith may produce feelings. When I say feelings, I mean like emotional feelings, maybe even physical feelings. Faith may produce feelings, but feelings never produce faith. Are you out there today? So you don't have to be emotional to have faith. See, there's a lot of men who are kind of stoic. I don't know about you. My mother was very, or she is now, but, you know, a very emotional person. Very emotional. Uh, you know, all the emotions, you know, that you, all the colors of the rainbow, every kind of emotion and swinging fast. Just ask my wife. That's true, right? My dad, he passed away, but my dad was very stoic. My dad expressed all of the variant emotions from the letter A to the letter B. <laughs> but, you know, so a lot of men are like that. Maybe some women. See, now in, our, in this marriage, it's the other way around. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm in trouble again. <laughs> I do love you. <laughs> um, so, so maybe you're kind of not very emotional. It's kind of, you know, while everybody else is shouting and jumping, you're just kind of going, amen. You know, you're not very emotional. But that doesn't exclude you from faith. Faith is not being emotional. In fact, some people who are very emotional have no faith. You can have faith without any special, you know, feeling or physical sensation. See, some people think, ooh, 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 I feel faith, I feel faith. No, that's the air conditioner, just cut on. <laughs> How did the woman with the issue of blood feel when she pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus? Well, I know the Bible says she felt in her body she was healed, but I mean, emotionally, how did she feel? We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Jesus said to those two blind men in Matthew, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. So how did they feel when they said that? It's not mentioned. How did that crippled man feel as he heard Paul speak? Did he say, oh. Feel good, da 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 da. da. No, he, the Bible doesn't tell us. I have to do these things because you're so sleepy. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us anything about how he felt. It's irrelevant. If it was important, the Scripture would have told us. What many Christians think is important is not necessarily what God thinks is important. Faith is not a feeling. It's a decision. Faith is not a feeling. It's not an emotional. It's not, it's not a physical sensation or some kind of a mood. It's a decision. A decision from the heart. 
After Jesus appeared in the upper room to his disciples, Thomas wasn't there. Eight days later, Jesus appeared to them. But before he came, Thomas said to his fellow disciples in John 20, 25, unless I see in his hands, that's John 20, 25 in the New King James Version, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Notice he didn't say, I cannot believe. He said, I will not believe. He didn't say, I want to, but I just can't. I don't have the ability. That's not true. That's not true. You can choose to believe. Notice the scripture again. Our text says, I believe and so I spoke. Let me, let me help you. What you feel is not as important as what you say. What you feel is not as important as what you say. That scripture doesn't say, I believe, therefore I felt. It says, I spoke. Do I always feel saved? You know, like physically, emotionally? No. In fact, many Sundays, when I stand behind the, this table to preach, if I was living by my feelings, I would request all of you to pray for me. I'm backslid. But I don't live by my feelings. Are you listening to me? Do I always feel that God is with me? No. You're looking at me funny. No, no. Feelings is, is not how we live. I choose to say what God says regardless of how I feel. That's called faith. See, a lot of times you think you're believing God's word, but actually you're just believing your feelings. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we read this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So we are not swayed by circumstances. In the face of what seems to be contradictory evidence, where it appears that God's word is not working. Now, I don't have the answer to my prayer. I'm not dissuaded by that. I choose to believe anyways. Likewise, I'm not swayed. We should not be swayed by our feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. If you live by feelings, you're not living by faith. Nowhere does the Bible say, and without feelings, it's impossible to please God. Come on. Let me see some more tears. Come on, slobber a little bit more. Go ahead and quiver your bottom lip. Put a, little, put a little vibrato in your voice. Oh, Lord, here I am, Lord. Yeah, that's better. More of that, more of that. No, no, nowhere, nowhere does the Bible say that. That's what a lot of church people think. If you live by your feelings, you will also be defeated by your feelings. Feelings are like the weather, constantly changing, never predictable, never fully predictable. You know, in the morning it's sunny, in the afternoon it rains, you know, uh, it's hot and balmy at night, and then it's cool in the morning. It's, 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 you never can tell. It's, it's always going to be something. 
I was, I was with some friends in America, and they introduced me to this brother, and they said he's a, he's a weather forecaster on a television channel. You know, the guy that tells you today's temperature will be this. And he's a Christian. He's a weather forecaster. And I said, praise the Lord. I said, that's the only job where you can be wrong every single day and still keep your job. <laughs> I don't know if he appreciated that. <laughs> I haven't seen him since that time, so I guess not. Anyways, amen. If we allow feelings to determine what we believe or how we believe, then we will live on an emotional roller coaster. You know what that is? Like in a theme park or something, go up. We'll, we'll, we'll be like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. That's exactly how many Christians are. Not you, but you know, you know what? But you have a friend. When they feel good, they walk in church, praise the Lord. Hello, brother. How you doing? I'm ready. Are you still ready for the rapture? Hallelujah. Go, brother. Go. Isn't God good? Ooh, I feel him all over. They're just so happy. I got faith. I got wonder working faith. Come on. I'll lay hands on the chair. It'll let me get healed. Hallelujah. <laughs> but then they don't feel good. The next Sunday, they come in like a vehicle with four flat tires. Walk in. Like they don't have a friend in the world. <laughs> Sit down with this dark cloud. I'm lost. There's no hope for me. You think, what happened? What, something, his best friend died. His mother-in-law came to live with him. What, what happened to him that, that he looked so... I love my mother-in-law. What happened to him? And it's just, he's in a mood. He just doesn't feel good. But if we put our faith above our feelings will be stable and solid in the storms of life. The wind is going to blow. How about you? Are you going to blow with it? Or are you going to stay solid? My feet are on a rock because I believe. So instead of trying to conjure up a feeling, which is what some Christians do, they think if I sing enough, that I'll get some kind of a feeling. And, I, and, and I'm, I believe in singing. Don't misunderstand me. I, I believe in praising God. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But there's a difference between that and trying to work up some kind of a feeling. And I do, I do mean like an emotional feeling or even a physical sensation. Or if I clap more, if I dance more, if I shout more. And I believe in clapping and dancing and shouting. But I don't do those things to get faith. Instead of trying to work up a feeling, feed your faith on the word of God. Because the Bible doesn't say faith comes by clapping. Faith comes by jumping. It says faith comes by hearing. And some people who clap the loudest and jump the highest don't want to hear anything. Look at your neighbor one more time and just smile briefly. They're different. I didn't say it's wrong to have feelings. Are you listening? I did not say it's wrong to have feelings or that we should stifle and suppress every emotion we have. No, God made us emotional people. God wants your personality to be sanctified, not destroyed. Amen? So it's not wrong to have emotions. But don't put your feelings above your faith. 
That's what I'm saying. Even your physical feelings. I don't feel so good. Something's wrong. Are you saying that I should just deny the feelings I have? No, I'm saying that faith will change your circumstance and that will result in a changed feeling. If you will not allow the circumstances to change your faith, your faith will change the circumstances. But you've got to be steady. Let me read to you uh, two more scriptures before we go. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or when you encounter trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Just one point. These two verses refer to various trials. Somebody say trials. And then also it talks about the testing of your faith. And the Greek word for trial also means temptation. In fact, it's usually translated that way, temptation. Here's my point. There is a connection. There is a correlation. There's a relationship between living right and believing right. Are you listening to me? There is a connection between living right and believing right. Let me explain. When you're tempted to sin, and don't look at me that way, come on. Some of you are looking so sanctimonious at me, like, me? Tempted to sin? Probably last night. What are you talking about? <laughs> when you're tempted to sin, you feel an urge to do wrong. It could be a physical feeling. It could be an emotional thing. But you feel, you feel an urge to do something's wrong, do what is wrong. But you know it's not right. So you choose not to do that regardless of how you feel at the moment. Has anybody here ever been tempted? Huh? You know, you go to the bank. I, I give this illustration because I don't think anybody will get offended. But you go to the bank and you're in the manager's office and you're going to meet him for something. You're opening an account or what have you. And there on his desk is this big stacked bundle rupees and he goes up and leaves the office for a few minutes and those rupees start talking to you <laughs> take me home with you <laughs> you know you deserve me <laughs> this is the answer to your prayer <laughs> right so you know you've been tempted right you, you feel an urge right but you also know that's not right so you choose not to do that regardless of how you feel. Hmm? See, feelings can be deceptive. How many of you found that out? Feelings can be deceptive. So as a disciple of Christ, we put what we know above what we feel. As a disciple of Christ, we put what we know above what we feel. How can it be wrong 
when it feels so right. <laughs> you can feel all kinds of things, and that don't change whether it's right or not. Well, it's real quiet today. Hallelujah. But did you, you all just steal money from the manager's office? Is that why you're looking at me that way? I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, likewise, I'm going to finish up. Likewise, there are times when you are tempted to disbelieve. You feel like it's not working. You feel like God has just abandoned you. You feel like your prayers will never be heard. But you choose to believe because of what you know, regardless of what you feel at the moment. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Faith is based on knowledge, not feelings. So that how you feel right now is not the main point. It's, do you know? Do you know? Let me say this in closing. When we live by our feelings, we're actually saying, I trust myself more than God. Because they're my feelings. This is how I feel. I feel all alone. I feel there's no hope. I feel. So you're putting your faith in yourself rather than God. God is greater than your feelings. God's on the throne no matter how you feel right now. His word is true whether you feel like it or not. So Live by what you know, not just what you feel. And if you live by what you know, it will also change the way you feel. Can you stand with me to your feet today?